Lester, the Nightfly. On the Pacific Radio Network. Also made available on PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. All hit radio. Lester the Nightfly? Lester the Nightfly. I'm Lester the Nightfly. Lester the Nightfly. I'm Lester the Nightfly. Hello, Baton Rouge. Won't you turn your radio? Don't stop. To Punk Rock Part 2. Here you go, way too fast. Feel so down, you're gonna crash. You should watch what you're staying Don't look out, gonna break your neck So shut, shut your mouth Cause I'm not listening anyhow I had enough, enough of you Enough to last a lifetime through So what do you want of me? Got no words of sympathy I've played the Primitives on the show. Did you? Fantastic group. Yeah. Oh, I mean, to me, even though it was a little later in the mid-80s, that was a straight connection to the punk movie ah. in the 70s. I think you could have released that in 1976, 77, and it would fit right in. It's a brilliant song. My very sexy secretary that I totally was in love with when mm-hmm. I was right out of college introduced me to the Primitives, so... I was always like, she's really fabulous, and why well, I love this song. We never, nothing ever happened, Peter. But I got the band out of well, you know. out of that. That was that was cool. My first job. What did I know? Nothing. I didn't even know how to get to work barely. And and there, you know, that's so funny. So funny. That's so funny. Hello, this is PJ Ewing. You are listening to Lester the Nightfly. This is part two of a two-part series with Peter Abzug. Peter is a radio host on WPVM-FM in Asheville, North Carolina. His show is called First Wave. It's all about punk music. And I couldn't let that happen. Not with Peter and me on the same station, the same airwaves. I could not let an interview opportunity slide by. So I wanted to get Peter on this show and uh, and talk about the music that he loves. Peter, welcome back to Lester the Nightfly. Thank you very much, PJ. Glad to be back. I'm so enjoying this, Peter, this uh, stretch of, of music, stretch of shows on, on punk music. I don't know enough about it. I'm fascinated by this. It's cultural, as you explained in our first show. 
It's got a political statement to it. It's got simplicity, but maybe more than anything from what you told us and, and, and educated us on the first show was the almost the democratization of music. You didn't need to go to the uh, academy. You could do it raucous. You could do it live. You could do it in front of everybody. They could record you on a cassette tape and out it was without a big label. It was, it was the, the every man with three chords, as they like to say, could be a rocker. And that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing that we could all, you know, if we wanted to jump on a stage and, and find an audience. And, and that, that seems to be what, what punk is all about. I like your use of the word democratization because uh, uh, I was talking with a guy who lives across the street from me um, and we were talking about punk and he said, you know what? It's folk music. I said, what, what, what do you mean it's folk music? Said, you know, it's from the people. It's from the people up, not the record companies down. And that's what folk music is, Appalachian music and so on. And it's amazing the amount of creativity and freedom you can have uh, when you're not signed uh, with a with a big label. Of course, you don't have the financial rewards, but you know, that's that's the trade-off, I guess. It's beautiful. So let's kick off our show with some music. Let's listen to a punk song from The Who. I can't explain, 1965. You know who's going to explain? Peter, right after we listen to this. Peter, what, what, you're responsible. You have a lot of explaining to do. What is the who doing in the middle of our show on punk music? Well, that's a good question, PJ. 
So many of the punk bands, um, especially uh, the English bands, but also the Americans, look back to the 60s for inspiration because that was a time of rock and roll being more physical than intellectual. And especially from garage bands who were all over the country here in America, there were so many record labels during that time. Every city had one or two. And these garage bands would come and record. They'd have uh, local hits and just be creative as possible. So um, in England, The Who put out in 1965 a song called I Can't Explain. And what I wanted to try to do here is illustrate that connection between a 70s band and a 60s band. So if you listen to the beginning, the guitar riffs of I Can't Explain, and then listen to the jam, who are from London in 1977, from their first album uh, with a song called Standards, you can understand the connection because although they're not exactly alike, they are sure clips. If you look at the Jams uh, albums, a lot of their colors, a lot of their fashion is very reminiscent of what The Who was doing in the 60s with the mod movement. You know, there were mods and there were rockers and the mods dressed in a certain way. And that is how the jam dressed in the beginning. So I thought it'd be an interesting experience to hear that connection. Let's listen to the jam. The song is called Standards from 1977. And Peter, we'll form our own opinions. Thank you very much. <laughs> Strength, we have got our side But you know what happens to Winston 
I'm never going to get that kind of insight. Well done, man. Wow. I love that oh. connection. Well, from my birth year, 1965 to 1977, and the song Standards from the Jam. Really, really beautiful. You're a man of today as much as you were a man of 1977 and, and 74 when this was all happening. Is, you know, I'm going to go kind of meta on us for a second. Is punk alive today from your observations? So let's go back to the first show we talked on um, in the beginning where you asked me what punk is. And my punk is very different than my son's punk, who is um, 34. That is very different from a young person who's 18, 19 here. Punk rock is alive. It just sounds different. So you have bands with attitudes, you have bands with very quick playing, fast guitar work, uh, some, you know, are political, some are not, but everything can be pointing back to this movement in the mid seventies that really changed the course. Um, you can listen to a go-go song called Get Up and Go. Sure. If you listen, listen to that song, the drumming in it by Gina Shock and the guitar staccato by Jane Wyland is, is so punkish. jeans and torn leather jackets and have 
you know, safety pins through their noses. But the music survives. Took us from the cerebral to uh, the physical. And let us just let loose, get that energy out, be with people who love the same thing. So the answer is yes, punk is still alive. It just sounds different. And your punk, being born in 1965, is a little different than my punk and mm. the next person down the line. I want to echo what you say with a, just a little bit of knowledge, and that is, uh, three years ago, one of my first shows, my first interview was with a gentleman named David Goldman, a good friend of mine. We've done three sort of year in review shows on this show, Lester of the Nightfly. And he introduced two bands to me at the time. This is um, 2000 was the year that we were reviewing. The band Fontaine's DC and a song called Too Real. And there's a live performance that I'm going to include on the blog at lesterthenightfly.com where you will watch this band at Glastonbury uh, light it up and if that isn't <laughs> punk I don't know what is but <laughs> Peter it is a more sophisticated 21st century aesthetic the lyrics are complicated there is an observation yet it's fast furious raucous brutal uh, politically mo motivated yet there is a uh, more artistry I think in the lyricism uh, maybe not the music, maybe, but uh, I'd love for you to assess at some point. But again, it's called Too Real from Fontaine's DC. Let's hear a little bit of that right now. from Fontaine's DC. Again, I think that's punk today. And it has a little bit of the sound. It's fuller and richer and more complete as, as a sonic thing than what I think I'm hearing in the in the original punk from the 70s. But they may be just technology and recording quality and, and what we have at our disposal today. But I, I, I heard real punk in that track. And that's today, that's Peter. Great. Let me go one more. Okay, just one more. And the, for me, and I'm not qualified to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways, and that is this might be the, in quotes, new punk, and it's a band called Idols. Okay, they're formed in Bristol in 2009. There's a gentleman named Joe Talbot. And when you see him do some of the, the music that they do, you, will, you, you just won't believe 
what you're seeing and hearing. It is the music of the everyman. In this case, he's shouting the music for the most part. Uh, the song that I'm thinking about is called Never Fight a Man with a Perm. <laughs> it's from the record Joy as an Act of Resistance from 2018. Let's hear just a little bit about it, and then I'll, I'll give you one more comment. Okay, that's Joe Talbot, lead singer of Idols. The song Never Fight a Man with a Perm. The record Joy is an Act of Resistance from 2018. That's thanks to David Goldman. Here's why I say this is the new punk. Because Peter, right? Everything's more complicated. Sexuality and po po your, your political stance and the way you make your money. And it, the world is so much more complicated today than it was 10 years, much less 30 or 40 years ago. This man suffered some some bad stuff when he was 16 his mother was paralyzed he is married he has a daughter he's fluent in french he is a sophisticated guy he'll chat with the audience in in foreign languages he's bisexual he's not religious he's a complicated guy and yet you and i heard him screaming lyrics and this is their big song this this never fight a man with the perm it is their anthem. It is full of men, mostly men, shouting these lyrics. This is a, a complicated 21st century guy that, that is, has many, many more layers. And, and maybe everyone has layers. Sure they do. But he's letting everyone in on those layers. They're not hidden. They're out for everyone to observe. And yet there's this incredible rebellion in his music and his attitude. I see a lot of punk in this guy, Joe Talbot, and his band Idols. Um, and I, uh, so I, again, echoing your, your comment, I think punk is alive and well. And, and those are a couple examples, first Fontaine's DC and then, and then Idols. It does remind when you were talking about a person throwing their, their experience in a song, uh, the Buzzcocks had their, their biggest hit with a song called Ever Fallen in Love with Someone You Shouldn't Have. 
Hmm. And I always thought it was, I fell in love with this girl and, you know, she broke my heart. And so I wish I'd never met her, that kind of thing. But as I learned more about Pete Shelley, the writer of that song and the main singer for the band, you found out that he was uh, bisexual too. Wow. But I read into that song with that knowledge and with the knowledge that in England, I don't know when homosexuality was decriminalized. Might have been in the 60s, but there was still kind of a stigma about it. Mm. It certainly, as you said, was, was, is not like today. So I wonder sometimes whether he was saying that, that, you know, I fell in love with a guy mm. and I shouldn't have because look at all the problems it's giving me. There's a lot of opportunity for these bands. It's not. It's not just shouting and, you know, bring down the queen and throw Harold Wilson out of being prime minister or or whatever. It can be an outlet for one's innermost feelings. I think it was expressed in that song. It's a wonderful record. It's called uh, Ever Fall in Love with Someone You, ha- you Shouldn't Have by the Buzzcocks.
And that was the Buzzcocks. Thank you, Peter. I am so glad we could take that little diversion. Let's listen to the Sex Pistols, the song Pretty Vacant, and then I want to hear your thoughts. to 1977 this really from my understanding is 76 77 the roof blew off and it just exploded the punk became global was this part of that that big movement at the time oh absolutely first of all this came from their first album and their last album they only put out one studio lp they had first signed with AM Records and then the Sex Pistols trashed the office of AM in, in London and they threatened a producer. So 
A&M just said, no, you're out of here. We're not going to bother with you. And then EMI picked them up. And as soon as the first album came out, it was so controversial that EMI then dropped them. And the band broke up in 1978. Their last concert as the Sex Pistols was in San Francisco uh, during a disastrous U.S. tour, their first and only ones. And each stop on the tour is a story in itself. But let's look at uh, Pretty Vacant. This is a song that really expresses, and we've talked about this before, the hopelessness, the powerlessness of the way so many young people in England felt at the time. The chorus, every chorus goes, we're so pretty, oh, so pretty, we're vacant, and we don't care. And so this simple song had really two, two verses, everything else is uh, repeated. But basically, we don't care about you. When you look at the lyrics, you, you see how they connected with their audience because they were the voice of their audience. And um, did it make any difference? Probably not. But at least they had a band to express those. Unfortunately, the Sex Pistols, they're known for cursing on a British TV show uh, using four-letter words, which, you know, with this very proper British uh, commentator. Uh, they're known for trashing clubs. They're known for throwing bottles. People, I mean, they're, they're insane. Johnny Rotten, Sid Vicious. They were very imperfect people, but in their own sense, when it came to creativity and being able to understand and express because they were they were part of these young people who had no hope no future mm -hmm. and to be able to take that and, and and give voice to that that's why right i think especially in england um why they made such a difference right right giving those without a voice a voice i mean that's a it's a theme that never gets old but wow we're here with Peter Abzug. It's PJ Ewing. You're listening to Lester the Nightfly on some radio station around the country. All right, Mr. Peter, we're getting there. We've got a few more left. This is, this is The Damned, the song New Rose. It's 1976. Is she really going out with him? Yes, I knew that I always would 
purposes, this is the first anything on vinyl released by a punk band. Also, their debut release. It was um, on Stiff Records, which you might know of. I don't, I think they're still around, out of London. And mm-hmm. they ended up signing many punk groups. But this is where it all began. But it wasn't too long before more came out. You know, it's like the Beatles. Oh, we got we got to find now that they're successful. We have to find four, you know, mop tops who play right. guitars and bass, and they go in there like a vacuum, and they start vacuuming up bands and signing bands. This is what was happening. They were signing everything eventually. So that's why New Rose, besides being a great song, is a historic song. I don't think we have really any understanding of how many small bands were created and signed and they attempted to run with them because they mm-hmm. were just in the right right sound at the right time and mm-hmm. you're you're finding them with these garage bands these bands we would never know uh and yet you're putting them on your show i love i can't i'm just really pumped to listen to more of your program i, I gotta be honest this is a piquing such an interest in me for this music. And I'm surprised. Peter, I didn't approach this show saying, oh man, I can't wait to get into punk. It was actually a a worry for me getting ready for this hmm. show because I'm with a pro. He knows what he's talking about. I kind of don't. And, and uh, it, this has been such a welcome uh, education for me. I'm sure it's for a lot of other people. And I do want to do more with you. I'd like to go down some little rabbit holes next time you know when we we figure out another time to do another show i don't know what that means but i want to go i want to go deeper into some of those those source material some of those garage bands with you sometime someday sure we have two more for the audience today on this show part two of a two-part series with peter abzug the show is called first wave it's on wpvm and in, in Asheville, and also is available on pacifica and uh, you know it's going to be everywhere 
Peter, someday. <laughs> Let's hope. Um, we have The Saints is the band. The song is Private Affair. It's 1978. This is a band from Australia. is an example of uh, another Australian band. They still play today. They're also an example of another DIY band. Um, I, I put Private Affair because that's that really shows the band um, and gives a, a good idea of what they're all about. Um, but they press their own uh, first song called I'm Stranded. And that became a hit. That just went all over. And they were the ones that did everything for it, marketed it, uh, cut it, produced it. And uh, and then finally, the record industry took notice. Uh, but they have a they have a great sound. We've got one more. One more great song truly great i love this yes beautiful song this is another british band originally signed to uh, sony a lot of people didn't consider them actually punk quote unquote but a lot of um critics saw them actually as a power pop band because they had very melodic songs but yet they could rock really really well and perform with a lot of uh, other bands and they played their first gig in february of 76 and then they there was this club in uh england called the 100 club and they had a festival 
And they were on stage with the likes of the Sex Pistols, Buzzcocks, The Damned, who you just heard in The Clash. So they were definitely part of the scene, but this was, again, what I would call a kind of transfer or morphosis from hard punk to more softer and then finally to new wave. So I put this in to see the softer side. what we should do to follow you and hear your show is there anything do you do social media how do we keep track of what you're doing you can find first wave on instagram wpvm first wave and we're uh, also on facebook wpvm 
dash first wave. Most of our social media audience is uh, on Instagram with us. Uh, I subscribe to a lot of punk groups. So, you know, you'll see a lot in my timeline there. I will have links and uh, information on the blog at LesterThenNightfly.com. We'll have some videos and some other assets. We'll have a playlist for this show. And don't forget the first show of our two-part series with Peter Abzug. Peter, what a pleasure. Thank you for being here. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Should I go? If you say that you are mine, I'll be here till the end of time. So you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? It's always taste, taste, taste. You're happy when I'm on my knees. One day is fine and next is black So if you want me off your back Well come on and let me know Should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now? If I go there will be trouble Decisions bugging me. If you don't want me, set me free. Exactly whom I'm supposed to be. Don't you know which clothes even fit me? Come on and let me know. Should I cool it or should I blow?
As always, you can reach me at pjdj at lesterthenightfly.com. Visit the website. There are archives of all the shows. There are categories to search through, which is a really great way to find the programming you're looking for. It was such a pleasure working with Peter Abzug. Next week, we move to jazz music. It's all about Wayne Shorter. We have a special guest. His name is Dave Kikoski. He's a very, very accomplished veteran jazz musician in New York. And he will tell all of those stories next week here on Lester the Nightfly. See you then. has been a PJ DJ production.